podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. The Reds' disappointing start to the season continued with their defeat at Old Trafford on Monday evening. So on this week's pod, we're looking ahead to Bournemouth's arrival at Anfield on Saturday, as the Reds look to pick up their first win of the season. Joining me on the pod to give us his insight into the journey that Bournemouth have been on under Scott Parker, I'm delighted to welcome on Neil Dawson from Bournemouth Podcast, Back of the Net. Welcome, Neil. Hello, Harry. Good to have you on. It's good to have a Bournemouth uh, fan back on the show. To be honest, good to have Bournemouth back in the league. Um, I was I was looking through some of my old messages ahead of this, just based upon the the people I'd spoken to beforehand over the seasons uh, when Bournemouth were back in the league when they first came up into the the Premier League uh, under Eddie Howe, obviously. And it's been been a while since then, but I I do want to sort of um before we get into sort of this season and what your expectations are for this season, I, I do want to cast our minds back a little bit just to, to to last season and you know finishing second in the championship, getting promoted via that, and you know Dom Solanke scoring twenty nine in the league, and I just want to ask you for yeah what your what your overarching thoughts were about how the team performed last season, um and whether you were like um surprised that. The, the the club secure promotion um, in in the way in which they did in the end, you know, finishing second in the league comfortably, um, comfortably getting promoted. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I thought we'd go back up the first season to be honest, because we had a we had a, re- a really really strong squad for the championship. We didn't shed many players like a lot of relegated clubs do. Um, so we kept, you know, all bar Nathan Ake obviously went off, but other than that, we kept the lion's share of our talent and. Um, the second season, we lost Dan Juma. He he was a key player for us, and Begovic, uh, of course, who went to um, those that should not be mentioned across Stanley Park for you. And um, so we had a slightly lesser squad, but um, but probably a stronger manager in Scott Parker, who'd already gained promotion uh, promotion with Fulham. And uh, we started off like a train, had a bit of a dip in the middle, and then came back came back strongly at the end. Um, very different style to Eddie Howe. So Eddie Howe, when we came up from the championship with Eddie Howe, we absolutely murdered the championship with wonderful football, as, as you know, most people associate with Eddie Howe. Scott Parker's really different, very conservative, uh, builds from a strong base, try not to concede a goal, see what you can grab. So some of the fans took a little while to get used to it, but obviously results matter. And if you deliver the results, that's great. As for Big Dom, uh, Dom Solanke struggled in the Premier League, obviously not just with you, but with us. I think he only scored three or four times for us after a 20 million fee. In the Championship, I think he got 20 the year before and, uh, like you say, 29, 30, over 30 in all competitions uh, last season and really looked like the main main man of the team. I mean, obviously, to get 30, you, you've really got to go some. And he was really too much for Championship defenders. So the big question mark is how he'll do in the Premier League. 
Um, and obviously, he only had the one game. And then, unfortunately, he's been injured. If have a fitness test for Saturday, we're not sure whether or not he'll play. Um, but he, he's been outstanding. But there's still a question mark on can he score at top level? Yeah, I was going to sort of mention around Solanke. I, th- I thought it was, it was always interesting watching him for Liverpool and actually sort of when I came across him for Bournemouth as well in the Premier League. Looked look to be a lot of useful things that you'd you'd want in a striker there in terms of sort of the running the channels, some of the work rate that he showed for Liverpool in terms of sort of the pressing that he did as well. Um, got him a lot of plaudits as well. But it was, yeah, it was that clinical touch. It was that sort of striker's instinct that at least at least in the Premier League seemed to sort of elude him a little bit. I, I just wanted to ask, I mean, I mean what do you think, um, what did you notice the most about him in the championship in terms of how he was performing, how he managed to actually sort of, uh, you know, notch up 20 and then 29 goals? I think confidence is the key thing. So yeah. I think he he had a long run without scoring for you. Uh, I know often it was only coming on for five or so minutes. Um, uh, and then he had a, a long run not scoring for us. Uh, it took him a long time to get his first goal. So he, he had an extraordinary amount of Premier League games without scoring. And with a 20 million fee on your head, um, I think, you know, the, he was a very, very young as well. Everyone can see he had raw talent, but I think he just didn't have confidence. And then once... Once he's towards the end in the Premier League, he got sort of three goals in sort of five games, just as we were going down. And you could, you hoped he would kick on from that because that that seemed to put confidence through him. And then, of course, in the in the Championship, he's that much quicker and stronger than Championship defenders. Um, and I think you uh, you alluded to it with his touch. The question mark I've got over him is he takes he often takes two touches. So a ball will come into the box, he'll control it, and then he'll shoot. And in Championship, you can do that. As you know yourself in the Premier League, you take a touch and Van Dijk will take the ball off you. So it's can he develop that clinical one-touch finishing that you see from people like Harry Kane? Um, that's that's what he'll, he'll have to do this year because I think some of his goals last year he wouldn't have scored against the Premier League defender. Yeah, sort of that time that time on the board just isn't yeah. allowed in the Premier League, obviously. And um, actually, remember the goal he scored for Liverpool? He was in the last game of the season um, before he actually before he got that transfer and it was actually a cracking goal. <laughs> it, was yeah. a really, it was just your, your typical sort of scenario of uh, yeah, a young player missing a, a bunch of what seemed like easy chances and then scoring a worldie. And you go, Oh yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's clearly talent there. I mean, aside from Solanke, who else um, do you think really sort of established themselves as sort of key players under Scott Parker? Uh, I guess Lewis Cook came through really, really strongly towards the end. He's, he's a sort of a playmaker who captained England under-17's World Cup winning team. Uh, real high hopes of him when we signed him from Leeds. And then he, he's just had a series of really horrific injuries. Uh, he, he looked like the player he can be. And he came on the second half against Arsenal on uh, last weekend and uh, really helped us get back in the... Uh, didn't help us get back in the scoreline, but helped us get back in the game. He's, he's been absolutely uh, superb. Um, and then uh, the, the, probably the, the the two players that came through that really pleased the fans the most were two that came from the academy because we don't do that very often. Jordan Samora and Jaden Anthony. Uh, and then we had to start them basically because other players had left. And um, we were fans were a bit nonplussed when we saw them in the starting lineup for the first game of the season because both had come through from the youth team and neither had looked that great when they played in the Carabao Cup. And um, they developed into a really superb understanding because they've come up from the youth team together, one left back, one left winger. Um, but this season, Scott Parker's changed to five at the back, so he's not playing wingers. So 
who hasn't played Jaden Anthony. So we're hoping he, he moved back to the old formation in the second half against Arsenal because we were that bad in the first half. All the fans are hoping that that will be the formation that plays against Liverpool. So we might see the two of them together. Uh, my gut feel is Scott Parker's very conservative. I think he'll go back to five at the back away at Anfield. I don't think he'll want to gamble. Yeah, I was going to say that about Scott Parker. I mean, I noticed it when sort of I'd seen his Fulham side initially and uh, um, spoken to some Fulham fans since he's departed. And obviously, they got um, uh, Marco Silva at the moment and sort of the different kinds of football that they've seen under under two managers that, that they you know, they like very much. Um, and uh, just out of interest, when, when everything clicks for a Scott Parker um, Bournemouth side, when, when everything's going as as he would like it, based upon sort of how he sets the side up. I mean, what does what does that look like? Is it um, obviously in the Championship you were sort of perhaps less conservative than we'll see in the Premier League in terms of being a bit cautious around you know wanting to protect yourselves from um, some of the sides who are a bit more expansive, for example. But I mean, when everything did click um, and uh, um, in the Championship, I mean, what did that look like in terms of sort of a, a Scott Parker side? Well, he, he in the championship it was very different. In the championship, it was it was based around possession, and right. we would keep the ball endlessly. And this was Fulham's fans that didn't like him moan about him. Is he? He's more than happy for his team to recycle it around the back and then recycle it again. And but then when when it clicked, when we moved forward, it was with overloads. Um, so you'd see like the left, the left attacking of the central midfielders would link up with the left back and the left winger, and the three of those would do an overload on a fullback and a, a quick succession of passes putting someone in behind and then a low cross for Solanke tended to be the, you know, the way and not having Solanke in the last two games has really hurt us because our backup is Kiefer Moore, who's a really different striker to Solanke's six foot five and he's a target man. So, um, so we've, we've kind of adapted the way we've played in the Premier League without, without Solanke. So I think what he's hoping to achieve is keep it tight at the back. Um, We've had, no, we haven't had more than 35% possession in either of our three games. Uh, so we kind of keep it tight at the back and then burst forward with a counter-attack. Um, it tends to be, I think, how it will work. And certainly how he played with Fulham. And try and catch teams by surprise on the counter and keep it really, really tight at the back. And who are those pacey outlets on the counter? Well, this is a problem. <laughs> so yeah, this, this, this is where it went wrong against Arsenal because to play on the counter-attack, you need pacey outlets. And we're desperately trying to sign some. Um, and, uh, you know, so at the moment, he's looking for Marcus Tavernier and Phil Billing to break from midfield, um, both of whom are capable of doing that. But you wouldn't say they were lightning quick. And this is kind of where it's falling down a bit. So it was a system really designed around Solanke and then Solanke got injured. Um, so I think he's, um, all the fans are hoping he'll adapt a little bit till Solanke comes back and move back to a four-four-two and try and play higher up the pitch and get crosses into Keith for more. Um, but what he's tending to do at the moment is try and keep it really tight and then hope for a set piece because we are the tallest team in the league. I think Tottenham are the second tallest and we're the tallest. So certainly against Aston Villa, we kept it really tight at the back and then we killed them with two set pieces, 2-0. Um, and I think that's what he will be. I think that's what we'll see, unfortunately. We don't want to see that, but I think that's what we'll see. Mm. And at the end of last season, I mean, when you're looking at sort of maybe areas where the squad could be reinforced, I mean, seeing sort of not direct comparison or anything like that, but sort of Forrest who've come up and, um, yeah, they're they're making sure, I think, that, yeah. <laughs> that that people remember that they, that they came up, um, regardless of what happens there. It seems like they're signing... Um, Nearly everybody. Uh, it's remarkable. Yeah. Sort of the transfer window they're having. Obviously, sort of we 
we've seen teams do different, you know, adopt different approaches. Some you know, signing loads of players and, and, and that doesn't necessarily work. It takes too, you know, it's too difficult to integrate that many players. Some not signing enough. We've seen that in the past as well. Um, what were the areas where you thought, okay, we, we, we need to be reinforcing in these areas to, to stand as a good set in the Premier League? Um, and then what have you made of the business the club has, uh, has done so far? Well, we need it. So I think we're, where we are well established is in midfield. Um, and so all, all the fans thought that. So the real surprise was our first two signings were midfielders, Joe Rothwell from Blackburn, who's unfortunately been injured, and uh, uh, Tavernier from Middlesbrough, who looks really bright. Um, who's, who's the brother of uh, James Tavernier up in um, uh, up at Glasgow Rangers. So they were the first to win, which was a surprise, because to all of the fans, we clearly needed centre-backs, because our but last season we had obviously Nat Phillips on loan from you, uh, and we had um, Gary Cahill, the veteran, uh, and Lloyd Kelly, who's our club captain. Um, and obviously Gary Cahill retired, and Nat Phillips came back to Liverpool. So that left us really with, Lloyd Kelly, and then a couple of centre-backs that were he didn't really trust mm. to play in the championship. Can I um, ask what you thought of um, uh, Nat Phillips, by the way? So I thought Nat Phillips was a really superb championship-level player. We all wondered whether he would get caught a little bit for pace um, at, 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 you know, if he played Premier League for us, um, where he wouldn't have the likes of Van Dijk or Trent Alexander-Arnold or people sweeping behind him. Um, it's very different playing in Bournemouth's defence than it is playing in Liverpool's defence, obviously, as you know. So we were a little bit concerned. There were times at the Championship where he got exposed for pace. But in terms of being a warrior, getting your head on the ball, uh, you, you know, just being the first to it, brave blocks. I mean, he's a classic old-fashioned English centre-back, isn't he? But whether or not he had the pace for top level was the question mark some of the fans had. I don't know what you think, because you'll have seen him obviously mm. play for you. Yeah, it's interesting for us. I mean, I think it's it's incredibly difficult to play. Um, I think the way in which Liverpool's defenders do, or, or I think in terms of sort of what's asked of them. I mean, they play incredibly high. Uh, they have to be they all to be very quick. And they have to be um, pretty comfortable dealing with a lot of one v one situations because that that just tends to be the way in which if you do break the if you do break through the press, you are going to pr- pretty much be running at uh, Van Dijk or Canate or Matip or yeah. whoever it is. Um, and that, and that happens quite a lot, but um, yeah, I think we poor naturally. I think it, it obviously helped us during that season to to qualify for the Champions League along with Reese Williams. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think your assessment was pretty pretty accurate there in terms of like you know sea ball, head ball, bravery. Um, a lot of that sort of the old um traditional forms of defending. That I imagine if he was in the deep defensive line, for example, maybe that would be absolutely fine. But I think he just yeah. it was. You got exposed a number of times in Liverpool system, as you could easily do. But it's interesting to hear that you said that, yeah, even even for yourselves, he was exposed a couple of times for pace, which is yeah, definitely the big thing. And then obviously ends up ends up playing that game against Palace, um, very short notice, coming in and just getting um, yeah, just getting burned for pace, just very very quickly. Zaha, yeah, sort of yeah, pinning it. Yeah, I'm a target. This guy and yeah, straight away exposing us. Which I felt felt bad about that. But on, on the actual transfer and, and the fact that. Because I found his situation slightly weird that he didn't um, end up moving on. Did, w- were there talks around uh, Bournemouth actually pursuing a permanent deal there, or do we know whether or not it was that like, wages that sort of um, he, he pri- priced himself out of it? Or we don't know. I mean, allegedly, uh, allegedly, because wages are always allegedly, aren't they? But I think he was on sixty-five grand, is what we heard, which would be beyond what we would look to pay. Um, I'd have thought for players. So whether it was that he didn't want to come, it just went really quiet. 
on him. Um, obviously, and then we turned our attentions to Senesi, who we brought in from Feyenoord, Argentinian guy, who, to be fair, looks very similar to Nat Phillips um, in that he looks like he could be exposed a little bit for pace, oh, no. Feyenoord fans said. Uh, but again, his nickname in Holland was Gladiator, so that tells you what kind of player he was. So nice. we kind of moved attention on to him. And I think, I don't know whether, whether it's, uh, there was talk that Jurgen Klopp only wanted to loan him so maybe it was that we didn't like the loan fee. I still wouldn't be surprised if he arrives, to be honest, um, because obviously the contact's there. I think we like him. I think most Bournemouth fans would be happy to see him. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if close to transfer deadline day it happens. Um, but I guess it depends on your own uh, defensive situation um, and what backup you've got, I guess. But um, yeah. definitely, we still need another centre back. Even if we sign that Phillips, I still think we'd have we'd need another one because we lost we lost two uh, and we brought one in. But really, we probably need needed to bring three in. And the other the other area to go back to your original question, um, I think most fans think we need pace uh, out wide and and probably a backup for Solanke, which Kiefer Moore isn't. Kiefer Moore is an impact sub. Um, or a, a target man if you're going to play against the lesser side. I don't think he's back up for Solanke. So, uh, and we've really missed having someone up front that can move the ball up, bring the whole team up the pitch by running a channel. Um, so I think they'll be the areas I'd expect to see us do business. And, we, and no, we're not over happy with what we've done so far. It doesn't feel enough. And Scott Park has been very open in the press and critical on television about the fact that he's not been given a squad to compete with. Oh right, and okay, I think it's yeah, yeah. It's 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 just interesting to see the contrasting sort of uh, windows different clubs are having. Yeah, for, for certain, I think it's um, yeah, different different situation. Forrester building the Carabao Cup team of justice, aren't they? Because they brought in <laughs> brought in sixteen players. Um, so I think they're closing in on the seventeenth, which is just incredible. Plus, they you know they had a, a large squad anyway, so. They'll be. There must. They'll surely be favourites to get to quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup until everyone else starts playing the first team. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of gearing, getting the squad ready for Europa League next season. So it's like, yeah. yeah, so so many, so many players there is remarkable. Yeah, the um, and actually quite a few different profiles. They don't necessarily paint the picture of um a very coherent plan, to be honest. But yeah, I think we'll come. No. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of our fans. We've got them in a couple of weeks, and a lot of our fans that would be really interesting because we did the double over them last year and finished above them in the league. So it'll be really interesting to see the contrast of continuity from us versus um, wholesale change from them when we play them at their place in a, a week and a half's time, because that'll say a lot about what's the better method. No, certainly. And um, it doesn't like your start to the season. I mean, I was actually just looking at the fixtures, obviously, um, if you look at the last two, and then yeah, I mean, ha- having City, Arsenal, and then Liverpool away um, in, a, in a row is, is, yeah. is, 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 is certainly a tough... A tough sort of opening section of fixtures to have, but I, I'm just interested of, of what you've made to your start to the season in terms of how how you've seen Scott Parker approach it. You've already mentioned there, you know, the injury to Solanke immediately damages what the game plan would have been, for example. Um, but what have you made of your of your start to the season? What do you make of that of that opening opening win as well um, against Villa? So I think from a points point of view. Because um, all fans are, you know, fans are very knowledgeable. Fans are very realist, aren't they? And I think when you look at a fixture list that's got Villa, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, you think it'd be really great to come out of that with three points because you, you, you know, the what the, the worst case scenario would have been had we lost to Villa because I think we will, you know, we would we then would lose the next three 
potentially is the likelihood. Um, and then you've got zero points after after four games, which is n- never where you want to be. So the the win over Villa was was so um, so important because it gets you off and running. You know, there's a chance that even if we lose on Saturday, we won't be in the bottom three after an incredible run of tough fixtures really to start a season. Um, against Villa, we were really defensively compact, organised. We bullied them really. Um, they're quite light touch with uh, Buendia and um, your, old, your old guy's name escapes me midfield, um, uh, Coutinho. They're, they're quite a light touch side. So we, we bullied them with height and strength. Um, we went to Man City and did what most lower league lowered league teams do at Man City. We sort of sat back and tried to avoid embarrassment. And I guess we largely did that. Um, uh, we we had one shot on target, I think, all game, but we, we lost 4-0. Other teams have gone there and lost heavier uh, by heavier margins than that. So we kind of got out, which is what you want to do when you get to the Etihad, get out without headlines. Um, and then probably the disappointing game, so Man City was to be expected, the disappointing game was Arsenal, particularly the first half, uh, because we thought at home we'd really, you know, have a go for it. Arsenal are a team notorious for you can you know get at them and they've got a bit of a soft centre. But we just literally um, picked five at the back, two defensive midfielders, a target man who couldn't run the channels. And we literally sat in our own half and hoped that they wouldn't score. Um, and it just, it was awful. And then uh, fair play to him. He changed it at half time, went back to last year's formation um, brought on two players at half time to make that formation work that played a lot last year. And we looked a lot better in the second half, but obviously they, they scored again and, and we lost 3-0. But that, that was the game, I think, that disappointed the fans slightly. But Arsenal, as I think you'll find out when you play them, are very different to the Arsenals of previous years. Yeah, no, so, so I'm hearing. So I, yeah, I grew up in, I grew up in North London. So a lot, a lot of my family are, are Arsenal fans. And yeah, it's been, it's been a number They're of years. A lot yeah, they, they do. They do look a lot better. I still, I'm still going to be, I think, um, quite bullish about it, just because I think that's the only way I can be with my uncle. So, <laughs> yeah. I, have to, I have to remain that way because I think at the moment he thinks they're they're winning the league. So I have to. Yeah, have to, they've had to, an easy start, but but they yeah. are a lot better. They are a lot better. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus completes them. Um, they, they lack someone like him. Mm. Yeah, no. Mm. I, I think I think the one thing I'd say about them is that they, yeah, they 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 look a lot more coherent than I've seen for many many years. Like, yeah. I, I can see exactly what the plan is, and they look like they've got the players to actually impose that plan on on, on sides, which is yeah, that's not been the case for for many many seasons. And um, yeah, but uh, it, 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 in terms of other games as well, I mean, I just, just wanted to touch upon the the cup game last night as well. It was last night. Right? I'm, not, I'm not losing my mind. Here. Wednesday night. Wednesday, Wednesday night. night. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, sort of well, five three win. No, on, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, completely. Oh, completely yeah, this week yeah. is just um, obviously a two two draw against Norwich and then sort of winning five three on pens. Um, lovely little bit of cup sort of um, cup action there. I mean, did any players impress during that game that you think maybe have, have earned themselves a, a start at, at the weekend? Not sure. He did. He, he. I mean, he made wholesale. So it was the the classic Carabao Cup complete squad uh, squad rotation. Uh, Lewis Cook, who we talked about earlier, he he played uh, the whole game, played well. Uh, the other players that stood out were um, academy graduates. So I'm not sure he would think that Anfield's place to see if, you, you know, because effectively it was Norwich reserves against Bournemouth reserves. Um, so we, there was a centre forward that played on loan at Burton last year, a guy called Christian Sadie. He, he, he looked very, very good. But 
I'm not sure that um, uh, the step to Anfield is the logical next step for him. So, uh, and then it was a, a, another kid making his debut that equalised in the in the 90th minute um, to to get the game to uh, get the game to penalties. So, yeah. So no, I don't think there'll be anyone that will kind of trouble the scorers in case in terms of getting into in playing against Anfield. But if, if he makes changes, it'll be because he he had those changes in mind. But I guess it was just after two heavy defeats, it lifts the club, doesn't it? Even if it's not the first team that's playing, it puts a smile on everyone's face again. And um, we went to Norwich last year, reversed the same fixture and lost 6-1, um, our reserves against their reserves. So clearly our reserves are getting better. Yeah, absolutely. Or theirs are getting worse, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, every single time Norwich are back in the... Um... In the Premier League, I do I do find myself having the same conversation with the same people. Unfortunately, <laughs> they keep coming up and they and, and they keep speaking to me about some some of the plans that they have. But yeah, just just don't see it. Seems to be one of these real proper yo-yo clubs, don't they? At the moment, where yeah. seemingly too good for the Championship, but just not quite um, found a way to sort of stay in the Premier League. Um, well, at least get close. It, it's getting so much harder, though, Harry. It, it really is. is. Yeah. We were we were reflecting on it um, on our podcast at the weekend. The last time we came up. There were you looked at it. So obviously you have you've got the two teams you came up with, who in our case were Norwich and Watford, who spent no money. And then you looked at it, and you also had a Villa side that was that got relegated that that was pre-Villa spending any money. Newcastle, um, obviously, uh, it, you know it, another team that got relegated. That was in my Cassidy days. Then you had teams like Swansea, Stoke, West Brom under Tony Pulis. So you looked at you looked at it as a side coming up and thought there are three sides you could out of all of those sides there's going to be three we could finish above if we click into gear which obviously we did this year you come up and you look at it and you think last year's fourth bottom team were Leeds who've spent 120 million and gone off like a train uh, so you, you you know the Fulham and Forest have spent a fortune so you do look at it and you just think who are the because now you got you know now people are talking about teams like Everton or Leicester but. Everton and Leicester are a hell of a lot better than teams like Stoke and West Brom used to be in Swansea. So in terms of the squad depth they've got. So it is a it's a really tough ask. Yeah, no, I think I'd I'd probably agree with um your mention of Everton there. I think there's there's potentially I think a chance to get some points off them. I I I don't really see what they're what they're doing, what well, unless they're very busy in, in the last days of the window, because it, yeah. it, from the sounds of it, if if Gordon really does um, sort of get his wish and uh, leave the club for I mean, sixty million, does seem crazy for for a player, even though, as promising as as him and uh, Deli Ali's on the way out as well. From there, yeah. you are looking at that side and just wondering where those goals are going to come from. Actually, for, yeah. for Everton, so I do wonder whether they'll be dragged back down. They'll be in that. trouble. They, they yeah. will be in, they will be in trouble because uh, I think um, you know we, Fulham and Forest look fairly decent, so they would have been hoping that they wouldn't look that way, and they'd also been hoping that Leeds would have carried on with last season's form, and they haven't. So yeah, I would be incredibly worried if I was an Everton fan. Just on your point there around what you what you were discussing on your podcast around uh, you know just how much more difficult it's gotten for for sides that are being promoted. So. Were you basically arriving at the conclusion that you think actually the the way in which these sides are are staying up now is just you just you either have to spend a ton of money and hope it works, um, or accept that perhaps you are going to go back down, use the parachute payments to rebuild and then try again? Is that what was the sort of yeah? The, the conclusion I think reached? so. Or you or you've got to have a really really strong identifiable style, which is what we mm. what we worried about. So when when we came up with Eddie Howe, although granted, like I said, I think the Premier League was slightly 
slightly easier to stay in back then. We had such a, you know, we, we had such a style that worked for us and the players that we had. I mean, Eddie Howe's sort of philosophy was always last goal. We, we played every game as if it was last goal wins. Um, so it was almost hilarious when we came up because you had like Alan Anson and Alan Shearer on the telly saying they're so naive. And we were just throwing people forward and overlapping fullbacks. And, you know, we had some, some brilliant games against you, you know, because we, you know, both teams would go at it as attacking sides. And we had a really identifiable style. So I think, you can see that with Brighton and Brentford. I think it is possible if you've got a really clear style and a manager that gets it, uh, that you can stay up without spending tons of cash. But um, if you haven't got that, uh, I think you need to you'd need to try and spend the money. And I think our slight worry about this year is that we can't quite identify a style that will score goals with under Scott Parker that we could with Eddie Howe. But we will see. It's long early start yet. No, certainly. I, I think, yeah, I think to your, to your point earlier on, it, it, it must have been a transition, right, for fans to you know, have had that many seasons under Eddie Howe, where your style, as you mentioned, was so clearly, um, you know, clearly identifiable from the way in which you played in those games, even when they didn't sort of work out your way. Um, I, I was just interested in what you mentioned there around, obviously, Parker. I mean, whatever way that you managed to achieve success, you know, get the side promoted, you know, um, have to side scoring goals. I mean, that's all that fans eventually are going to care about. But was it a slow process? Was it um, s- sort of a hard fought battle for 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 Parker to win over fans w- with the new style that he was employing? Because it is it is so drastically different to what you what you were used to many years ago. Well, it wasn't originally, and he was quite fortunate. And he had the, we had a break, so he didn't come in straight after Eddie Howe. Obviously, we yeah. had Jason Tindall. Um, who was Eddie Howe's assistant, who was never really going to be a manager. He was always an assistant. He did half a season and got sacked. And then we had, uh, we couldn't find a manager. So we had Jonathan Woodgate as a caretaker. So he, you know, again, um, yeah, he did the right, got us to the playoffs, but we we lost in the playoffs. So Scott Parker, I think people thought, oh, professional manager, um, you know, got promotion before. And we went off like a train. So while the football wasn't, we weren't, you know, weren't creating an awful lot. We were very, very efficient, and you know, ultimately, fans like results, don't they? It's only when the results slow down, which they did in the middle of the season, that then people start noticing that the football's not quite as entertaining as it was, and then towards the end of the season, it picked back up again. So, he there's lot, lots of debates on the forums, but obviously, he got us promoted. So, in the main, most people are are for him, um, but we would like to see a little bit more attacking at home. Um, which was, I think, Fulham fans' complaint with him. I think the year Fulham went down, they scored nine goals at home in the whole season. Um, and uh, so, you know, we're hoping that he he's learned from that and that he'll go a little bit more gung-ho. But he is by nature uh, one of those managers that sets up to not concede and then try and build on that rather than Eddie Howard. I think always assumed he was going to concede so needed to score two or three to win a football game. And that's, you know, ultimately as fans, you'd much prefer to watch that, don't you? Yeah, and I think you're right. Obviously, to to call out some of the some of the very entertaining games that we had against you, um, sort of uh, when Eddie Howe was a manager as well. I mean, just before we come on to talk about sort of how you you expect Scott Parker to approach uh, the weekend's game, you know, especially because Liverpool, I think, are sort of a bit of a wounded animal at the moment as well. Um, just want to ask you sort of your your favourite memories of this fixture, not necessarily the Anfield leg, but just just generally sort of games against Liverpool. You can think of that win, obviously, when we had a. We had Carrius as well, or uh, not the win. Sorry, it was the 
it was that sort of last uh, last minute draw, wasn't it? I think I think it was three three or something something along those lines. Four three, no, four, it was oh, no, a last it was minute win. Wow, I've actually blocked I blocked that out. Lots of therapy. <laughs> you blocked it. <laughs> it's most Bournemouth fans uh, hype, but it was when we thought that we'd actually reached the high point of. I think a lot of fans will say it was all downhill from there, really. But um, uh, so yeah, we. Uh, I mean, we went so long without playing Liverpool. I mean, there's very few Bournemouth fans alive that could remember playing Liverpool because it was in the late sixties. Uh, and so, you know, when when we when we came up, um, it was one of the first fixtures a lot of fans were looking forward to. It was obviously a trip. So we've been to Old Trafford a few times in the cup over the time, but Liverpool was a really rare outing. So uh, a lot a lot of people looking forward to that. Um, so I think the highlights the highlights for me were the, the four three at home was just superb because we were three one down, and Eddie Howe being Eddie Howe threw on sort of like every attacking player he had. And we just went at it. And Jurgen Klopp was really complimentary because he he said, you know, a lot of managers would have just tried to avoid embarrassment of 3-1 down against Liverpool. And that's not in Eddie Howe's nature. And then we, we had a really good, probably more impressive, was a 2-2 draw at Anfield um, later that year because I thought that showed how much we'd established ourselves as a Premier League side um, because you were playing well and and we came up and drew two all. And, uh, and you know, that was a real... For a club of our stature to... to to reduce Liverpool to only taking one point off us in a, in a season. Uh, to me, that was the highlight of how far we'd come. And then obviously the, the seasons after that, we started to slip back down a little bit again. Um, but yeah, so they were probably the two standout games. Yeah, and I can't believe actually, uh, actually forgot that, that, that it was 4-3. Wow, I think it's just, yeah, it's... it's, 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 well, we, it's no, we all block out, we all block out. I can tell you any amount of games that I've blocked out of my memory. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's. I think this this show is actually quite useful for well, define useful. But uh, yeah, this show is definitely one where occasionally people do remind me. Oh yeah, that did that did happen, and I've done some I've done some excellent work to not to not remember it. But um, in in terms of how you think uh Scott Barker will approach it, I mean, you mentioned earlier on how you, how fans would like to see him approach it, or sort of the way in which he reverted to the formation that you were playing um beforehand, second half in Arsenal, uh, second half against Arsenal rather. Um, is that how most fans, I imagine, would like him to set up at Anfield? Or do you imagine he's going to go back to, uh, you know, sort of five at the back and just try and be conservative? Or is he going to look at Liverpool's recent results and go, you know, they are gettable on the counter-attack? Obviously, we'd love to have a bit more pace to try and target Liverpool with them on the counter. But, um, yeah, we've got, we've, got, we've got nothing to lose here. Let's let's let, let, let's try and disrupt them. A lot of variable factors, I think. I think Solanke... Um, playing or not will be a variable factor because that'll. Uh, I think then he'll go back to the formation he played against Villa, um, which was five three two, and uh, becoming three five two when you're in attack. Um, if Solanke's not fit, then it becomes: does he go back to last year's uh, formation, which was four two three one, which is what all the fans would love to see? Um, or will he stick with the uh, sort of five-four-one that he's been uh, been using against Arsenal and um, uh, Man City? If I was a, I'm a, if I was a betting man and knowing Scott Parker as I do, and it being at Anfield, I think he'll go to the five-four-one. But I think that's a shame because any opposition manager at the moment, if you're playing a big club that's off form, um, you should be thinking we've got to get at them early, get one nil up, and get the fans a bit. Windy Money, you know that that's that's the way you would target it. That's certainly what Eddie Howe would do. We would he would throw the kitchen sink at Liverpool for the first ten minutes in the hope that 
we could score and then the fans would start to get edgy and the team would start to get edgy. But I just think, yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but I imagine Scott Parker will go back to the, let's keep it really, really tight and try and frustrate the crowd that way. And I just think when you've got, when you're doing that against the sort of players that you've got, if you give them too much time around your box, they'll score. So there's a, there's a danger that we could be the perfect side for Liverpool to play really at the weekend. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know some Liverpool fans are, are certainly hoping that's the case. But no, I think yeah. it's, it's interesting what you mentioned around scoring first, because obviously Liverpool, I think it's, it's now seven games in a row where they've uh, they've conceded the first goal, um, sort of also into the last end of last season as well. Uh, and yeah, giving us giving ourselves a massive sort of a mountain to climb when you do that. And of course, as you mentioned, making the crowd irritable, anxious at Anfield, having already seen us drop points. Yeah, I think it's. I think I think there are there are things to be getting at there actually for so, so it would be interesting to see what Scott Parker ends up doing and also actually one point that I was almost forgot to mention but I, I've seen enough people mention it to me anyway is uh, Scott Parker's uh, you know sartorial choices as well you know, yeah oh god yes what's he what's he, he going to turn up wearing I mean also just what do you, what do Bournemouth fans make of that because it's quite there's, there's been a selection of uh, selection of outfits. <laughs> Well, I think, um, uh, well, it's a source of much, uh, discussion on the fans for <laughs> and, 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 uh, friend, friendly discussion. So it's not, you know, not, it, when no one's being cruel about it. It's, uh, I mean, he must, he must be the most dapper of, of football managers. I mean, that cardigan, the one that they commented on match of the day that's got the four stripes on the arm. I mean, that mm. is a, that is a 1,600 pound cardigan. So, uh, you know, my my wife would put that in a wash with a red sock, and it'd be ruined within within weeks. But the um, uh, so he he certainly he certainly knows how to cut it. A lot you get a lot of chunky knit as well in the winter. You'll see some really spectacular chunky knit cardigans, um, and never a hair out of place. Even at Stoke, when it's pissing down with rain and blowing a gale, his hair is is immaculate. So I think he's a real product of that. They all came out the same era, didn't they? You know, Jamie Redknapp and. Uh, and, and people like that, David Beckham, he's a real product of that era uh, where where footballers started to look crisp and not look like the bloke down the pub like they did in the 80s and 90s. No, I mean, yeah, it certainly wasn't something that I was uh, I was mentioning to sort of mock him. I think, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah. it really puts a lot of effort in. It really does. Oh, a hell of a lot of effort and a lot of cash and a lot of cash. And, I know. Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe that cardigan when I heard about it. I was like, wow, that's... Um, yeah, that's a long way away from Tony Poulos and his white sneaks, you know, where it's just the, 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 the <laughs> that baseball cap. I, I wonder what the players make of it on the WhatsApp, but they they will have a players WhatsApp group, won't they? And I imagine uh, players are, are ruthless, aren't they? With particularly with other players that wear something a bit dodgy. So I imagine he gets absolutely in a, in a nice way uh, torn apart on the players WhatsApp group, but we'll never get to see it. Yeah, no, I hope they, uh, I hope they occasionally hide the cardigan, you know, <laughs> just to make him, just to make him a little bit anxious. But, um, anyway, Neil, I mean, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for, for, for coming on and sort of sharing all your insight around sort of the journey that Bournemouth have been on under Scott Parker and sort of, uh, it's early days, all right, uh, in terms of the league season this so far. But, um, just before we do wrap up, I mean, uh, what are your expectations then for, for the season and, and, and how much of your expectations um, or, or where they lie depends on, you know, getting in those, uh, those fast wingers that you were mentioning. Yeah. So I think all, you know, the, all Bournemouth fans um, thought that if we, if we avoid relegation this year, that that would be a hell of an achievement. I think you know, a couple of people wrote on Twitter recently, it would probably be a bigger achievement than 
uh, any of the other years that we stayed up. So there's a real, there's a realistic, the, the players have got everyone on their side. We will not be, we're not moaning at them because they're not taking, you know, better teams apart. We know that they've got a real struggle. I think if we can sign another couple of centre-halves uh, or, or one and, and get some more pace up front, we could have enough in us to sort of squeak that sort of like fourth or fifth bottom spot. And, and that would be a brilliant achievement. And, and I think that's all the fans want. More than anything, the fans just want to see us have a go. And that was hence the disappointment against, against Arsenal. I don't think you, you don't mind if you come up, you play against better players, you have a right good go and you go down. What we don't want to do is go down defending for 40 games in a uh, 38 games in a season um so you know that that's the bit that I think the fans are looking for a slight change in style um and I think if we do that and get uh, a couple of better players in then we 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 could have a chance of finding three teams worse than us but it'll be touch and go no absolutely yeah completely completely agree with you around sort of what what fans will be sort of satisfied with in terms of an an effort this season rather than sort of you know, just keeping it defensive, keeping it conservative and not actually seeing the side actually give a, give a best account of themselves, to be honest, especially after sort of getting promoted. I've always thought it must be quite a weird, weird sort of juxtaposition of, you know, seeing your side play a certain way, then coming up and then you know, completely changing that for, for fear of what might happen. And then, you know, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be a tough uh, sort of mission to stay in the league anyway. So why not, you know, why not go for it? Um, but yeah, I can, I can understand the caution early on. But yeah, I think uh, certainly when you're away to top six sides, I don't see any reason why you, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to go for it unless yeah, it's City, as you mentioned, there, and, and, and you want to sort of leave with some respectability. Um, and yeah, we've, we've seen sides in the past get get damaged in those games. But um, but anyway, Neil, yeah, as I was saying, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your insight. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we'll... We'll be in touch ahead of the reverse fixture as well. But before we before we go, did, did, anything that you wanted to plug on your own in terms of the podcast that you guys uh, have released ahead of the game this time? Uh, no, so we we got regular podcasts coming out. There'll be a, a review of the of the uh, Liverpool game preview and a review of um, of the Liverpool game back of the net. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, just just look out for it and. Uh, uh, you know we're 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 always there, and uh, and there's a Premier League show as well that Sam and Tom from the podcast do that doesn't talk about Bournemouth at all, but we'll we'll talk about you know Liverpool's current run of form and uh, and and all sorts. So uh, so yeah, plenty plenty to be uh, looking out for. Yeah, I would certainly recommend that listeners check that out. And and also uh, just looking at the fixture list myself and didn't realise just how close that Newcastle game is. Uh, and now that we're now into this uh, this period of the season where the, the fixtures are even more sort of tightly packed together as we head to that sort of sprint before the before the World Cup, which is a very weird sentence to to say still. Um, and so, yeah, uh, on Rival Recon, there'll be another episode ahead of the Newcastle game, um, which thankfully is not a way to Newcastle because I think we've seen in recent in recent weeks, that's now a much tougher prospect. Um, and that's that's a side that continually getting reinforced. And I think there was an announcement of Alexander Isaac, who's who's going to join Newcastle as well, who's obviously a very promising striker. So that's a completely different uh, kettle of fish now facing Newcastle. But that'll be on the 31st. But there'll be an episode out before then. Uh, but in, between now and then, do check out all the, all the other podcasts on, uh, on, on Anfield and Next Pro. Um, and until then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll bid you adieu. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.